What up, everybody? Welcome back to the 414 Dele. It's your boy Cisco, as always, with your boy Ryan. Hey, you live. Live. Man. I hear it's you. Good. The Bears still suck, my guy. The Bears still suck. I mean, I, I was going to save that for the very end nah. of the podcast. But that, it's very important. It's, it's a very, very important, important to, thing to say. It's, it's very important to point out that the Bears still suck. Very important because because important. the Bears still suck. We going to the playoffs, baby. Playoff bound, man. Playoff bound. Playoff bound uh, with the youngest team in NFL history. Youngest team in NFL history to go to the playoffs. Yeah, that's. I mean, it says a lot, man. To to, to to be honest, to be honest, and I'm not trying to like sell the team short, but it is that's an important. That's like a, a it's to me is a key element to focus on because when you think about the NFL and you think about the playoffs and Super Bowls and getting to the championship, right? What is the thing that gets you there most of the time is veteran presence, right? You're always seeing, oh, this guy, you know, this late addition, the guy got cut from his team, <laughs> veteran guy, you're signing all these guys, and and you're hoping that they can bolster your roster and bring bring that experience and get you over the hump. And, I mean, the, the, the organization is showing – that they're putting something together. Like I'm not trying to. I'm not out here saying, "Man, we're the best team. We're going to win the Super Bowl." Type of shit. But I'm just saying it's important to to point that out that we are doing things that most of us didn't expect to do. Right? I mean, granted, at the beginning of the season, I thought we would win. Would I say 12 games? Oh, you said 13 <laughs> you know? and four, but I think yeah, you know what I mean. So like maybe I expected it, but um, you know, for the most part, especially even after the season started, right? We're we're not thinking that this is going to be a possibility. And then, you know, we get a little bit of hope, right? We beat the Chiefs, we beat the Lions. We're like, oh, man, then we lose two in a row. And then you got to thinking, well, I think this is just the youth movement, right? That this is this is our, our age showing, the inexperience showing. We're not ready for this moment. But, I mean, here we are. And granted, we beat the shitty-ass Bears to get there. But, hey, man, you know what I mean? It is what it is. And it's it's the NFL. And they played all their players. They were, they were trying to play. It's a rivalry. Well, is it a rivalry if you're not winning? I mean, that's, that's what Rodgers asked, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? So, like, and shout out to A-Rod, right, for saying that. But at the same time, this for the fans, it's always going to be a rivalry for us, right? And and I think the players take on that persona, especially especially these two teams. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we've been whipping their ass for, for a while now, but it's still a big game to them. So they came – it's not like they came out and laid down, right? And they have a lot to prove, right? You got to see, is Justin Fields our guy? We got the number one pick of the draft. Is he going to be our guy? He's got to go out there and show us something. And they had a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. They had a long shot to make the playoffs. No, I mean, they could have made the playoffs today if, I believe, the Seahawks would have had to lose. And, yeah, I think if the Seahawks would have lost and we would have lost, then the Bears, if they would have beat us, I think. I think they would needed the Saints to lose. Oh, did they? I think so. I'm not sure, though. Either way. They needed a left. I mean, because the Minnesota needed a bunch of shit too. But shout out to Phil. Fuck, fuck the Vikings. Sorry. So I got. I want to say. I want to start my part of this, and I agree with everything you said. I, I want to add on to something you said, but then I want to get two stats out before we continue into the podcast. But the, the the thing you brought up about bringing in a veteran guy, and then you know that helps your team in the postseason. Nobody says like. You can be in ex- you can be young and experienced. Does that make sense? Yeah. You don't need yeah. a veteran guy to bring experience, and that's what this year is going to do. Whether we go into Dallas and lose or not, it's going to play- be playoff experience for the youngest team in the NFL, right? So going into yeah. next season, it's about playoff atmosphere and playing up to a standard that you need to play at in order to win games, right? So, like, you can be a second- and a third-year guy, the Jaden Reeds, the Romeo Dobbses, I think Christian Watson will be back, and you can gain that playoff experience without being a veteran. Does that make yes. sense? No, yeah. So I, I want to get these two things out because I think they're super important for the growth of Jordan Love that we've seen and we've witnessed, but we haven't really put it into statistics since – he's been on this tear. Like we've talked about how good he's looked, but we've never really put it into numbers, right? One, 
first statistic that jumps off the page, over 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, two players before Jordan Love, and I get it, he had an extra game. Two players before Jordan Love had statistics that were better or comparable to him. Two players in the history of the NFL. Is this a guessing game? No, no, I'm saying I stopped more for like uh, (laughs) more for like a dramatic pause. Does it is that not fucking insane to you? No, I think so. I think that means I think that carries some a lot of weight. You want to know who those two were? Oh, for sure. Patrick Mahomes and Kurt Warner. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Now, seven. Kurt Warner. Yeah. I mean, Kurt Warner. He he was a he wasn't like a. He had been around around the block a little bit before he came to the NFL. He did. So, or I guess before he came back, maybe because right, he was. I, don't know. I forgot his journey. I thought he played but in the CFL. Played in the arena shit and yeah. Yeah, he, arena. I think he played, but here's here's the second one that's pretty nuts. So, we lost five of our first seven games. Jordan Love looked a, like an average quarterback, in my opinion, middle of the tier. Yeah. Maybe even lower, lower, uh, lower. Not maybe lower third, but lower half. Right, that fifteen to twenty. Since that game, since game eight, he's gone seven and three, seventy percent completion percentage, two hundred sixty-six yards a game, twenty-one touchdowns thrown, and three interceptions. Yeah, that's wild, man. And that's not counting his rushing. And then this is just another way to say it. Week 18, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Week 17, three touchdowns, no interceptions. 16, 2 and 0. 15, 2 and 0. 14, 1 and 1. 13, 3 and 0. 12, 3 and 0. 11, 2 and 0. Best second half of any player in the NFL. Yeah, man. I mean, he he. You have to be you have to be excited and you have to be pleased with the progress that he's shown this year. And I know that we've been on here and, you know what I mean, and especially me, right, I've been critical of him, but only because of it's that it's the position, right? I think that no matter what, you, you're always critical of a person that's playing quarterback because it's essentially the most important position on your, on your team. It right? is, 100% I mean, it is. We, we're, we're proving that uh, we got guys that Bo Melton is coming out and having games for us, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss his skill level and his – ability but if you look at around the league how many teams is ball melting getting clock on you know what i'm saying so like you got malik Heath out there you got so we we got guys so you can't tell me that the quarterback's not the most important position we lose Devonte adams right uh and then the next year you know but we lose lazard and cobb and, and I'm, i don't even think that those guys are that good you know uh, and i think clearly that showed uh how good they were this year being on the teams that they are on but uh, I'm just using the, that to say that you have like the, the play of your quarterback is so much more uh, important to the progress and growth of your team. Uh, I mean, look at the Bears. Look at them. You got, that's actually the best example to use. You got a guy like Fields, and and what do you see? What what progress have you seen in these couple years that he's been there? They're probably going to have to draft a quarterback with the number one pick. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think that would be a mistake. If I'm oh, the yeah, Bears, we, uh, we don't got to talk about that at all. But I, I do want to, I do want to delve into it a little bit because I, I want to hear your take on it. If you're the Bears, what do you do? You draft a quarterback. You do. You can't. You can't. You can't run the risk. You had a number one pick two years in a row. You can't keep trading back. I, I don't think that works. That only works if you got somebody that's that can do it for you. You know what I mean? That. That only works if you have a, a Justin Herbert who's out for the year and then you get the number one pick again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think Love was uh, – Fields was bad today, though. Like, But the, the thing is, it's not about it's, whether he's so, he's good or bad. Is he is he the guy that your franchise can lean on to to take you to the, to the playoffs and to a Super Bowl? The ultimate goal is always to, to get to a Super Bowl. So – yeah, I don't think he's the guy. I don't. I think he's got talent. I think he's good. I don't think I don't see greatness in him. What I see in him is what people are seeing in Tyrod Taylor today, right? He yeah. Go out there and play a certain way and beat a good team and win some games. He can win some games, but is he your franchise guy? Is he is he the quarterback that can get you to the Super Bowl 
And more often than not, it's it's going to be a no. I mean, yeah, you do have the Trent Dilfers in the world that get to the Super Bowl because uh, the, an organization builds a fucking fantastic team around that player, right? Yeah, but I, I want to throw this out there, and then we can wrap this part up because we're not here to talk about those bums. But Justin Fields' lack of productivity and lack of success in the NFL, in my opinion, is heavily heavily due to the Bears organization. I think Justin Fields is a talented quarterback. And you said something in the group chat that I want to give our listeners an insight to, because I think you make a really good point. And I don't even think you're being a hater when you say it. I don't think it's a a knock on the Bears as much as it is, a knock on Justin Fields as, as much as it is a knock on the Bears. But you said you can't have a franchise quarterback that you don't believe that can throw the ball. And that, yeah, I, if I'm if I was taking that comment correctly, correct, and please tell me if I'm wrong, you were talking about the situations they put him in and when they allow him to throw the ball and when they don't. Right, like a third and six, they run the ball because they don't trust him. And yeah, and I don't see the point. I don't understand. You go out and you get DJ Moore, right? And you you Cole commit the emergence of Cole commit. I, I think he's a really talented tight end. Um, you you draft you did draft some linemen and that's the thing too is I just you know you you invest I, I was really skeptical of their picks this year especially on defense because they picked some guys that were just kind of um and and you know it, to each their own right the 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 beauty is in the eye of the beholder when you when you're looking at picks and guys that you really want on your team and think fit your team you know we talked about that with the Jaden Reed pick you know there was guys out there we could have picked but. You, you look at a guy and you say, well, does that guy fit my, my scheme and my system? Because it's not worth picking that guy. Yeah, maybe he's a better receiver, but he might not be the best receiver for your scheme. And then you're wasting the pick and you're wasting a guy's talent. But um, I was I, I just I don't think that the organization, you know, they made the change with with Ryan Poles and and, you know, they got a new coach. But I think at the I end of the day, they don't believe in him. So if you don't believe in him, then you got to move on. No. If yeah, I'm I, running I, the Bears organization, I'm flipping that fucking coaching staff. Get the fuck out of here. I'm keeping Justin Fields, and I'm trading back to two or three, and I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr., and I'm giving them the weapons. Like, the worst that happens is you're another bad team next year. Like, but you now have this core. You've built it around a non You've built your core around not having a quarterback as opposed to building a quarterback around – the weapons that they don't have, in my opinion. Like, DJ Moore is good, and that's where it stops. I guess Cole Komet's pretty good, too. But anyways, that's my take on it is you don't run away from the fields now because you decided as an organization to go with the wrong coaching. I think it's a coaching problem. You think it's I, coaching? I do. Think, I think he's talented. We watched him at Ohio. You think ever, what is his name, Everflus? Everflus, yeah, he's a defensive-minded guy. Do you think he gets fired then? I, I just – if you keep him, then, yes, you got to move on from Justin Fields and you need to bring someone in better than Luke Getze. I'm not shitting yeah, on Luke Getze. The, 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 the problem – the thing that I see, and this will be the last thing that I say about it, is I don't see a new coach wanting to come in without having a say-so uh, in, in who they want at quarterback. And when you have the number one pick, somebody that comes in is – like say you get a Jim Harbaugh, right, because that's the popular name. You don't think Jim Harbaugh wants to take a quarterback with that number one pick? I don't know. You don't I guess. I just don't – I guess I, I don't see – Because you, you either you either you stick with the coaching and, and you draft a quarterback um, or you get rid of the coaching, right? You make a coaching change, but then you're also going to have to get rid of fields. Yeah, I guess I just – I'm not a huge believer in Caleb Williams either, but – that's for another day. We can talk about yeah, that. We, we talk yeah, about we'll talk the about draft episode, but, 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 but back to the, I think you made another good point about drafting players that we might not have been as high on, but ended up working out. And one of them's Jaden Reed. <clears throat> I think both of us, when we drafted him, we were excited about the potential he had because we needed a slot guy, the Randall Cobb from Randall Cobb's uh, like prime years, you know? Yeah. And Jaden Reed has fit that bill all year and more, right? He has caught the difficult balls. He's caught the balls over the middle. He's made plays. And you could argue that with 
we set another NFL record today by most receptions and receiving yards by first and second year players in the history of the NFL. Granted, yeah. the only person that could catch the ball on our team other than Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon were first and second year players. <laughs> and I guess Josiah DeGuara, but I think he had less than five catches all year. But <laughs> I, that, so my question to you is, is our receiving core and tight end core as good as advertised or is Jordan love better than we're even thinking? And I want to point out one play to you in particular, and it's the play, the 58 yarder to Jaden Reed. The yak one, though. Yeah. The, but um, that throw was unbelievable. The, the throw, yeah, the throw. So, so here's why. I, I, let me let me just finish what I just uh, read before we got on. Lafleur said in his press conference that Jaden Reed on that play is 100 percent a decoy and isn't even supposed to be in the progression. That's interesting. So he, they asked him something about the play, and he goes, oh, the fact that Jordan Love even threw it to Jaden Reed was uh, uh, was surprising and amazing to me because he's not even part of the play. He comes motion, and then he does a wheel route, and he's supposed to take the safety, that, that, that uh, cover two safety away from the middle of the field. Well, I think I, I'm going to credit – I'll credit Love for that, but I'll also credit chemistry. Right. I, and yep. is, these are these are things that we've seen. We've grown accustomed to with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams uh, with him when he had Jordy Nelson, when he had James Jones, when he had Randall Cobb. Right. And I know I'm naming a bunch of guys and makes it seem like he had this chemistry with everybody. But chemistry is very important. And I think that that is one of the intangible things about a player in general. Right. Not just a quarterback, but a player um, that you can create that with the, your teammates. And I think that goes far. That goes so far because then you, you, your guys are on the same page. They yeah. know they're aware. They know what to think. They know what decisions you're probably going to make. Right. Cause these are the, these are the mistakes or these are the things you don't see when you have a team that doesn't have a, a solid QB one that makes changes every year. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Because you think about, I would say, like, look at the Buccaneers, right? And I know that the, they're in the playoffs, but, you know, what Tom Brady did with Mike Evans and Godwin, right? And and even shitty, uh, not, I shouldn't say shitty because he had a play to beat us, Scotty Miller. Like, the thing that he did with these guys, uh, obviously Gronk, right? He already had that established before they got there, is he had chemistry with these guys. He took, yeah. he took the time and put in the time and the effort to make sure that they were on the same page so that when, when I'm scrambling, right, if I'm scrambling, hey, Ben, you know what I'm going to do. You have to react to me scrambling, right? So and I weirdly think – I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I weirdly think he has, like, this unbelievable chemistry with, like, everybody. Well, he, and he hosts that dinner every week. Was that you that sent me that? I did, yeah. He hosts a dinner for the offense for every the week, offense. which the defense is invited and. In. It didn't say whether or not <clears throat> defensive players show up. The motherfuckers need to, but but like even Bo Melton, somebody that's been on the practice squad all year, probably hasn't had a ton of reps with with Jordan Love. He looks like he has chemistry with Jordan Love. Like yeah, like I felt like Bo Melton when he finally got inserted into the lineup three weeks ago was kind of Love's safety blanket, yeah. right? Like yeah, that third down today over the middle that. Tony Romo was gushing over, which I thought it wasn't that great of a throw. I thought it was a better catch. I understood what Tony Romo was saying, that the throw was literally the only place it could be. But, like, you're going to a, an undrafted rookie? Was Bo Mel maybe a seventh rounder from a different team? And, and that's the guy that you're choosing on a big play? It just – I mean, he, the thing is he's not He doesn't have right? – yeah, 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 he, 100%. He's, he's – He's looking for – he's willing to give anybody the opportunity, right? Like, you, you – okay, so today Jordan Love was 27 for 32. Yes. Um, really 28 for 32 because that was a fucking catch. I don't give a shit. Well, okay, it's on the stats. I know. 27 for 32, right? Two of those were touchdowns that – Dobbs should have caught that one, I thought. Um, and then the Bo Melton one, I thought, well, if, if Morris' catch was a catch – and like you pointed this out, you made me think this when you said that. I agreed with you. If Morris' catch was a catch, then Bo Melton's catch should have been a catch. So you're talking about um, two play. And 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 the reason I bring this up is because I was watching 
um, the Sunday night football um, pregame or whatever before you know before we started recording. And the I don't know if uh, I forgot who it was that was going through the 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 scores, but they said this score was it was. Um, what do you call it when it's not really, it wasn't like a direct reflection of how the game was. Yeah. We were in control of that game. So you think about those two plays, those that's 14 points. You know what I mean? And I, I think, I think did we get, if we got, we missed the field goal on the one and we maybe got the field goal on the other, or did we end up getting a touchdown? I don't know. I can't, I can't remember, but um, well, I bring that up to say that like, he's, he's got it. He, he doesn't care. Who it is? If you don't make the play, you, he's still he's going to what play is best. Yeah, which is what you should do. Yep. You don't force a play to somebody because you trust them. You make the play because it's the best play that you're seeing out there on the field, right? And of course, you're gonna miss plays. Every quarterback misses a play. They miss a guy that was open, and yada yada. It, it happens. It's part of the fucking game. You know, I'm not gonna. I won't harp him for that. But the one thing he does is he doesn't let that. He doesn't let that get to him. He'll go. Hey, if Bo Melton's the the best guy for for me to throw, and you got to think, you have a matter of seconds to make a decision, right? Even less than that sometimes. So like, you you don't have the time to say, oh, is this the right play or not? Like Rogers, you know that was the knock, right? He held onto the ball a lot. He would take sacks. He would have to throw the ball away because he's he's looking for one specific person. The one thing that love that's the thing that's the opposite thing. Uh, love love plays that, in right? the system. And and Romo was loving the the to, and no pun intended the comparisons of Love to Favre and the Rogers, but that's the one thing I'll say. Love just he doesn't he just takes what he feels is the best play available. Yeah, but I, I want to make I do want to say or point out that in the beginning of Rogers' career, he had a better supporting cast initially because he didn't have a ton of rookies and stuff, but. Rodgers did spread the ball around early in his career. It was when he got into the later years of his career and had a Devontae that he got real, like, locked in on, on a one guy, right? So yeah. I, I do like that, though. What you pointed out is completely accurate. Like, I like the fact that Love takes what's there and he plays within the scheme because at the end of the day, he's not bigger than the team. Right, like he's no. not bigger than the next he's, play. He's 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 a very much team guy, and he he wants to win. He wants to he's holds himself accountable. You know what I mean? He's and I think that being you know for him, he's the veteran of the offense in a sense because he's twenty five years old, right, or something like that, right? So, which is well, I get you know Aaron Jones, but I mean being the quarterback and and being the the person that is directly responsible for where the ball is going. Um, you know, he's really taken these young guys. And I think that his style of play and the fact that he does try to take the best play available to him uh, is really a, a confidence booster for these guys. Cause I mean, we had no Watson today, right? He, he, Mr. Glass was out again. Um, and then Dobbs goes out, he gets hurt. And I don't, what's up with these chest injuries on this team, man? I, um, I don't know. For these receivers, I feel like. I feel like those are serious something. ones, though, because they Musgrave, and then they could be, you know, just like well, they bruised the, ribs, but you yeah. could have a fucking. Lacerated that, kidney. You could have a lacerated <laughs> kidney, yeah. yeah like, I was like, damn, dude. You they're just too. Die, those chest injuries are too risky to put a guy back in until you yeah. get him in, but, back and. and yeah. But these guys are dropping and these other guys are popping up, you know, big, big play, big play, uh, Bo, you know, he, he stepped up and he had a hundred yard game last, last week. And today he had some big plays. Um, I love the fight that I'm seeing from these guys. The offensive line did a pretty good job. And I mean, that defense, the, the bears had won what five of their last six games. I don't actually, maybe I just know I that mean, their that's defense, what they said. that's what was said. On on by the com by the broadcasters. But I know their defense more, is one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like we we got to as you know we talk shit. The Bears suck, but their defense is good. They're, and they always play us tough, right? So that's like a thing, another thing to consider. But uh, Aaron Jones, big game. Uh, I'm gonna shout out to my brother-in-law Dave because he uh, he stayed up till midnight to watch the game out there in England. Um, hey. he had his gear on, and he even said the, the real one. game. 
he said uh, we need we need the Jones to have a good game again. And I mean, we did. it might we... sound like a no brain thing, but it's true, right? Because this season we haven't had it because he's been out, he's been hurt, and he had a great game. And just seeing the fight from from the team, from the the receivers blocking, right? Fucking those guys were blocking their asses off. The offensive line getting gritty, like. You know, they, we didn't get a lot of calls go our way. I mean, there wasn't a lot of calls in general in this game. I mean, it was probably one of the fastest games I've ever watched. But <laughs> yeah, um, that shit was over before it was. I thought it was like a fucking pitch count or a clock, you know, like in baseball now, how they speed up these games. But um, I loved what I saw out there from from the offense. And I got to shout out the defense, man, because and I'm not going to shout out Joe Barry, though, because I don't think it was necessarily him because I I did see some some of those Joe Barry tendencies going on out there. But when you're playing a guy that isn't the best passer, I mean, I think that you get away with some of this stuff. But those guys on the front line, they took advantage of a weekend offensive line, and I do want to throw that out there so that people are aware their offensive line is not that great. Uh, they had a backup center playing. Uh, I don't know how long he's been playing, but he's still a backup center. Then they had one of their guards go out. I, I don't think he came back in the game. But we definitely took advantage and that's what you have to do. That's how you win. That's that's a championship team. Again, not saying we're going to the Super Bowl or going to win the Super Bowl, but just a championship mentality team is you take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. And super shout out to my man Carl Brooks today because he Carl was Brooks out there is big getting today. Carl, Carl Brooks is big today, and, and we gotta we gotta bring it back. Seat. Yeah, I know. I went far. I went we far. gotta bring it back to how great this past draft was by Brian Gutenkunst. Like, we really do, though. Like, we've shit on him before. I well, think he his... had a bad one. <laughs> he did. But, I mean, we could go down the line. Like, Van Ness has been good this year. He hasn't been great, but he's been good. He's better than Gary was his rookie year. Yeah, I think, uh, he's, I think he's been solid. And it's, I think it's, he's been good. For the yeah. fact that he's a rookie and he's not like he's out there. I mean, he's not being asked to be a guy, right? Because you got... You got Preston, you got Gary, even got Enigbari's getting, you know, probably was getting more um, snaps than him because of the fact that Enigbari's been here, what, like an extra year or two maybe. Um, but, you know, I think he's been solid. I think he's shown that he could be, you know what I mean, a very serviceable dude. It may, it may be even, you know, obviously every, any, any guy can take a, a leap and become yeah. a superstar. You know, I'm not going to go out there and say – I think he's the next superstar, but I definitely. I think he has superstar tangible like skill. Yeah, he does. He's he's got it, and he's got a motor. I like that he, he does give up. He's always fucking chasing a play down. Um, and even you know, I talk to people when we talk about drafts. You know, we we and now that we have a podcast and we do this stuff, but even before that, you know, we talk about my and I use this guy as an example because I think it's a great example. You look at a guy like AJ Hawk, right? Was he a superstar, the greatest player? No, but was he serviceable for longer than most guys are at that position and, and taken at that spot in the draft? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Because you, you don't need you don't need a team. You don't need superstars. eleven superstars. You need every, people to do their job. Is not gonna be a superstar pick. But if you can get a guy that's on your team for ten years and his solid production, that to me is worth more. Than drafting a superstar, and then three years later, he he's out, he's gone somewhere else. Or yeah, or, or he demands the contract that you can't that, yeah. have eleven superstars on on a defense because you can't afford eleven superstars on a defense. So I think the Van Ness pick is 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 exactly what we needed. And next year, I I look forward to him growing. But continuing down this draft, Jaden Reed in the second round, a hit. Tucker Craft in the third, a hit. Luke Musgrave in the well, third. No, Tucker Craft was wasn't he in the? Uh... I thought him and Luke were both third rounders, but either way. No, I think he was a he was. I think Luke was a second rounder. No. It could have been. Yeah, Luke might have been a second. We had two two second round picks this okay, year. Okay, so yeah, then Luke was a second and Tucker was a third. But still, both hits in my opinion. Like I know Luke missed a lot of time, but I I like what I've seen and I like what he brings. Yeah. Um, Colby Wooden, I'm a fan. I, I like him. He hasn't shown a ton, but what I saw from him, I was a, I'm a fan. Um, 
Yeah, Luke Musgrave was two. So I'll just go down them real quick. Lucas Van Ness, I think, is a good pick. Luke Musgrave, I think, is a good pick. Jaden Reed's a good pick. Tucker Craft's a good pick. Colby Wooden, I like the pick. Hasn't been as good as your boy Kyle Brooks. Still like the pick. Sean Clifford, that was a depth pick. Don't hate it. Don't love it. It is what it is. Dontavian Wicks, I'm going to stand on my 10 toes. I think Dontavian Wicks is the best wide receiver on this fucking team. I truly believe that. Like, that touchdown today was Devontae Adams, 100%. Like, that, I went back and watched it, like, four times. Did you that, do you do you remember that pass that he caught where he had that where where he had that cut that he like he was coming or, or maybe it was it was either a screen and he was like yeah and he juked the fuck out of, he crossed the shit out of dude it was a, and then it was a screen and he yep to get more yards I was watching him and when I watched him do that I said that was such a smart fucking move because most guys would have probably tried to go inside you know and not go like go against your momentum. But I just, you know, I was like, man, this guy, he's got it. And and the good, the, the thing about that pick that I really loved, and you know what I mean, people, people can say, oh, this guy said he loved all these picks or whatever. We can go back. You can go back and listen to the episodes because these are guys, Carl Brooks and Wicks. I said Wicks was going to be receiver number one by the middle of the year. You know what I mean? So, like, clearly I, I thought that he was going to be good. Um, but, it, you know, the, the thing is he had um, – experience right he he had four years of college i believe which people don't they don't think that that's important i think it's very important especially you're getting crops of guys and it's probably going to come to an end soon but with the covid you got an extra year to play yep you know that's an extra year of experience because a lot of times these guys get to a team and you know how it goes man you sit on the bench you ride the pine you end up being in, in, in a healthy scratch every fucking game as opposed to playing one more year of college where you're still the man and you're still getting, you know what I mean? Cracks at games and, and good quality experience playing against different teams, you know, different, different talent. So um, I think there's something to be said about that. And that was one thing about him that he had experience and he had a great junior year and his senior year went down because they had, a, I think they had a new coach. The scheme was changed and they got a new, it was a new quarterback. You know what I yeah, mean? And so I want to like, say this about Dontavian Wicks. I went back and watched that touchdown like three times and I showed Jen like, dude, tell me this doesn't remind you of Devontae Adams. And I remember watching this interview once with Devontae Adams and I might have brought this up on the podcast before, but he was talking about his release. It might have been on um, what's that podcast with Ryan Clark? We like it. It's the oh, um... <clears throat> oh shit. Dude. I forgot the name, but either way. They said, like, what do you think when you get up to the line? And he goes, I played basketball my whole life. I was a guard. When I get up there, I'm looking to cross you over, right? The pivot. It, the pivot. He's like, I'm looking to cross you over like a game of basketball. Like, I'm looking at your hips because your hips aren't going to lie. If you have your hips inside, I'm breaking on your outside leg because you can't flip your hips fast enough, faster than I can run by you, Right. And that's what you're taught in basketball. You look at their hips, you look at their, their waist because the waist doesn't change. Like it is, it just is what it is. If you, yeah. And I watched that play like three times because he gets off the line, he gives him the little Devante hop and then he just breaks his ass off inside. And it was so poetic. It would bring Chad Ochocinco to tears. <laughs> and anybody that knows what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Like, and that's why I sit here today and all year I've said Dontavian Wicks, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers. He catches it. He makes tough catches. He, he's always fucking open. He's smart. He's a heady player. Like, he's everything you look for in a number one. And in due time, we're going to have the best receiving core in the NFL if these guys continue to progress. Christian Watson isn't a, sl- a schlub, but he's going to be our third or fourth best guy. And that's be- and that's because he can't stay healthy. But mainly because he can't stay healthy, but because also, in my opinion, and this isn't a knock on Christian Watson, these guys have a place in the NFL. He's a one-trick pony. And, and the same thing with Romeo Dobbs, in my opinion, but on the other end. Romeo Dobbs is a one-trick pony. He is a possession-wide receiver that doesn't get a lot of separation because he doesn't have breakaway speed. Yeah. But – but Dobbs is a very formidable, good wide receiver. Wicks and Reed are number one and number two. There's no doubt about it because they bring so much more to the game than just 
either blowing the top off or catching a first down once in a while because you got the separation, right? Yeah. So I I say all that and I fucking haven't finished it out, but I do I want to finish it out with sixth round, bro. Sixth round pick was Kyle Brooks. And that motherfucker was the best player on defense today. My man. My holistically man. holistically he was the best player on defense today. In my opinion. Well, even you, you had pointed out that the one sack that Kenny Clark had was really because of what Carl Brooks Brooks was doing. Remember, you were like, that that was all Kenny, or that was all Carl, but it was a, the sack went to Kenny Clark, I believe. Yeah, so it, it, for, for, for people that are listening that watched the game closely, they showed that replay, and it was a deep, uh, defensive tackle stunt. Kenny Clark and Carl Brooks were both on the line. As soon as the ball was snapped, Kyle Brooks was on the right side of the line, the left side from Justin Fields' perspective. So the left tackle was Kyle Brooks' responsibility. As soon as the ball was snapped, Kyle Brooks fires off and just blasts the center. Blasts the center on his, in, on his left side, so on Justin Fields' weak side, right? Yeah. When he did that, he brought the guard with him. Well, because it was a stunt, the tackle's like, well, I got to cover the outside linebacker who is Rashawn Gary, which left fucking Kenny Clark literally nothing. Like, he came around the back of Carl Brooks and, and Justin Fields was there. To me, that is a sack for Carl Brooks. I know it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Kenny Clark still has to get the guy down. Kenny Clark still has to make the move around Carl Brooks. But for a sixth-round pick in the most important game of the season to have such a huge impact today – and he had a sack that he was just – he annihilated that guard. Yeah. That shit was a fucking joke, bro. He was playing against high schoolers. So yeah, it's it's funny because uh, – so in my fantasy football league, there's a couple Bears fans, um, and they're in there. My cousin's a Bears fan. He's one of the guys. He lives in South Korea. And uh, he was talking – you know, he, he was kind of like talking trash – and then, you know, more talking bad about the Bears. But then I didn't want to jump in because we hadn't won yet. The game wasn't over. I was like, nah, I ain't about to jinx this and talk shit to him, you know. But the, the thing that him and the other guy were saying was, you know, field, like, Fields didn't have that many opportunities to run. And I, and I feel like that was that's the thing against them that we're always nervous about is his scrambling ability and the fact that he's a, a great running – he's a great rusher, right? He's a He's a basically – a running back that can also throw the ball. And, and I, I don't want to I don't want to, I feel like I'm putting them in a box, but um, you know what I mean? That's the thing that they notice, right? Cause, and I think that's a credit to what these guys were doing on the line. They weren't allowing him, you know what I mean? They were, they were getting pressure. They were getting in and they weren't allowing him to be able to run. Yeah. I also want to point out, and we haven't talked about it, that whether this was Joe Barry's scheme or not, I'm not going to give him a lot of love for this. Quay Walker was spying Justin Fields a lot. And yeah. Quay Walker, to his credit, because Justin Fields is a big, he's elusive, he's also very big, and he's very strong. Quay Walker made that tackle every time. Right? So yeah. we had the right game plan, I'll say. Granted, was that Joe Barry? Maybe. I mean, at this point, I have very little faith in the fact that Joe Barry can coach defense, and maybe Matt LaFleur has gotten more involved. But at the end of the day, when we've played those running quarterbacks this year, for the most part, they haven't hurt us like they could. And that, that, that's a, to me, that's a tribute to Goody and going and getting a middle linebacker that can play sideline to sideline. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and we were, I thought being down McDuffie was going to hurt uh, because I think, I feel like McDuffie is a guy that's around the ball a lot. He's a, he's more athletic than Campbell. Yeah, yeah, and I and that's it's crazy because I was watching Campbell get blocked by Rashawn Johnson um, on one of the sacks that that we got, and he was getting held in check by this little ass running back, and I was like, this guy's done, man. He's I think that you know his he's on the decline. Yeah, he needs to be a guy that's on a team where he's the the third or fourth option and mostly there for veteran presence. Or if somebody gets hurt, you know, he can step in. But um, I thought we did a great job. I don't – again, I'm not trying to give credit to Joe Barry because I think that the, the – the... Yeah, so while we're on it, Dusty asked, 
if we go in and beat the Cowboys, does Joe Barry keep his job? No, he shouldn't. He should have been fired already. He should have been think, fired. I, I agree with you. I don't I think, think anything saves him. Yeah, this is a testament to the players, right? At, at some point, you have to give love to the players because they're the ones out there doing it. You know what I mean? And and I get it. Coaching is, you know, it, it, there, there's credit can be going on both sides. But I, in this case, from what we've seen all season, there's the, you can't tell me that all of a sudden now Joe Barry's a, a good de- defensive coordinator, right? All of a sudden, it, we fucking squeaked in here. You know what I'm saying? We The couple games we gave up where we're playing fucking prevent defense and we're, we're down. You know what I mean? How, how do you give a 10-yard cushion on a third and three type of well, shit? You know yeah, how do you, like switch, how do you switch the best player they have onto the middle linebacker? Yeah, why is, why is Devondre Campbell – that one was Quay uh, Walker. Well, no, yeah, yeah, I was talking about that. What what game was that where he he was covering Mike Evans and he was covering Chris Godwin? And I'm like, why is Devondre Campbell covering this guy today? Yeah, and that Quay again, it just goes DJ Moore. Like, what? The scheme is no longer applicable to this NFL. So I think no matter what happens, even if we go on to win a Super Bowl, you got to move on from Joe Barry because at the end of the day, we're not hitting our full potential with Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator. So hopefully that answers the question because at the end of the day, we're a better team without Joe Barry than we are with. And we've said it how many times on this podcast, you can't blame the players until you change the coaching. Today showed we have, we have a good defense. We have the potential to be a good defense. You can't show up once every seven weeks. No. It, no. And at the end of the day, when you have 12 first-rounders on defense, you got to show up fucking eight of the last nine, right? Like, you got to show up consistently, not inconsistently like we have. So, yeah. in my opinion, nothing saves Joe Barry. No, um, I think the writing's on the wall for him. I think it's time for him to go. Um, and, and all this success, I'm going to give credit to the players because, yeah, you can call a certain – certain play but the players got to go out there and execute and like i was i was saying just you know those those plays that were getting pressure on justin fields if he gets one more second he's fucking probably completing a 28 yard pass to equinemius saint brown a guy that has no business having games against us you know what i mean that are good yeah and, and not i again i'm not a football player i'm not a i'm not an athlete i'm not any of that shit but uh, so it's easy for me to sit here and say like, "Oh, that guy sucks," but I'm just saying he he shouldn't be because that one get what the one time he had like fucking 80 yards against us or something. This this guy's no business doing that, um, you know. So I I just think that today I'm giving credit to the defensive line. I think that they're the ones and and the and and Gary and Preston and and Igbari. So just a pass rush, I guess, is probably the easier way to categorize that. I'm giving them the credit because they went in. They got the job done, and if it wasn't for the pressure, if it wasn't for them getting in, I mean, you, we could be looking, we could be looking at a different manager special right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we would be clamoring for him to be fired now, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, for sure. I I still want to. I mean, I I think I, I just stopped beating a dead horse because everybody knows everybody that knows me and everybody that listens. They know that I how I feel about Joe Barry. No, so. there's no chance. Like he's got to go. So we're gonna get to these other two questions. And then we're gonna wrap this bad boy up with uh, Victory Monday tomorrow. So this one's kind of a unique question. I'm curious how you stand on it. But from uh, my brother Dustin, do you think the losses we had, or you think those losses we had that we should have won, Vegas, Denver, and Atlanta, at even argue the Giants as well helped us more than if we would have won those games oh man that's a good question that's a good question did did we did we learn from did we use it as adversity right and we used it uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it was less helpful to lose and um, <laughs> because one because this it makes this journey a little bit easier if you win those games uh, then you might be playing for something different, like the like the 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 NFC North title, uh, home field advantage, um, potentially. I mean, how how far are we? What did what did San Francisco win? Twelve games? Uh, maybe thirteen. 
12 or 13. I'd have to look, yeah. And we won with a nine, nine and eight. Nine and eight. So you take, I mean, we're, we're a few games away from being in that same position. Those games, right? Like we're, we're, so I, I, I don't think, and I don't think we learned from that in terms of the, the biggest mistake. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think we learned. I think we would learn the same that we would learn had we won. Uh, the problem is the defense is is what I look at, and that didn't really change. We didn't we didn't come back from those games and all of a sudden turn it around and now we're a stellar defense out of nowhere. We're just having we're having decent games at the right time, which I'm not mad about. You know, I'm happy about that. But um, I would much rather have won those games than to have lost them. Yeah. So. I don't think it's a bad question, but no, it's a I, good question. It's a I good truly, question. I do believe in the NFL that there can be good losses, but they're rare and few and far between. The fact that he rattled off three and missed one, because I think the Giants belongs in there, to be honest, and that's without even looking at the schedule, I would say no. And the reason is because the Giants still happened. Right. If you learned yeah. in Atlanta, which was week two, Denver was week five, I believe. And I forgot the other one. He said Vegas, Vegas, which was week, maybe week five. And then Denver might have been week six. You were in Vegas. Yeah. When you're not learning from those losses and you're not changing the way things were done, then I think it's a no whether or not you end up learning in the end. Right. So like. Yeah. If Atlanta happened and we beat Vegas and we didn't make the same mistakes in Vegas that we made in Atlanta, then yes, I think the Atlanta loss is a big is a, is an important is a good loss. But we made the same mistakes in Atlanta that we made in Denver, that we made in Vegas, that we made in New York, right? And I mean, yeah, and we we have really yet to have consistency on uh Jordan Love's play, right? And like I know that's a big deal, right? Him, him having consistent play is huge, but there's other areas that we have not had consistent play in. And so I, I think that, like you said, it makes a difference if you're learning and you're changing. And, and then, you know, it like those three losses, right, that he listed. Now, had that meant that the rest of the year we were fucking on fire? Yeah, definitely. I'll take that. But we weren't. There was games we squeaked by. I mean, we – we really had no business beating the Chargers because, I mean, they beat no. themselves. You know? Yeah, so, so so to answer the question, I don't think they were losses that we learned from more than we would have if we would have squeaked out wins. I do think there are losses that you can learn from. The Giants might have been the, the camel that broke the straw's back, and we learned from straw, that one, and then the, straw uh, that the camel the that – what the hell? The, um, <laughs> <laughs> the camel – hey – that straw's back what, be. I, I, I tell you what, this that straw's better, back be strong. This this is a good question for halfway through the season next year, because I think that we could take that now. If we if we do better next year, we have a better start, we're more consistent. Then I would say that those are good losses. But for this season, it, I don't think so. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, like we look back on the whole season, and then next year we come out and say, "Hey, we're not making <coughs> the same mistakes." Again, I think they, the answer for me is a resounding no, only because it didn't seem as though we fixed the problems against yeah. the teams that we should have beaten. Atlanta is a good loss if you learn your mistakes against the Raiders, right? Yeah. Same thing with the Raiders is a good loss if you if you fix those mistakes against Denver. And I just don't think I think we lost games this year in hindsight that. W- I mean, we've said it all year. We've lost games that we shouldn't have lost. But even looking back on the Giants game, like we were playing well at the time and we, we resorted back to those things that lose you games. Yeah. Penalties, drop balls, poor schematic defense. Like we let, <clears throat> we let quarterbacks this year look like Hall of Famers that had no business looking like Hall of Famers. But then we rinse, repeat, and did the same fucking thing. Yeah. Um, Baker Mayfield. I mean, even the Buccaneers, like, the That's Buccaneers. A, that one, yeah, that game. But we got, I mean, we, we lost by 14, so theoretically we got beat by them, right? But Baker Mayfield had 158.3 passer rating. Yeah. We didn't learn from a mistake. So to me, that's a bad loss as well. 
and it goes into the bin of maybe not games we should have won, like the other three that Dustin said, but it's a game that we shouldn't have played as poorly as we did if we would have learned from the mistakes that we have made in, across the season, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree and with that. You can sit here today and say, well, we played against the Bears better. We played against the Vikings better. I agree. But it shouldn't have taken us to week 16 and 17 to play better against teams that are inferior to us. Yeah, it seems we should be beating anyway. <clears throat> so it's sort of a no, but I do like the question. But I think you also bring up a good point. Are we going to go into next year and win the games that we should because we learned from the losses this year? Yeah, that's, that's why I think I think that question carries a different a, a different um, weight next year, right? Like you look back at it and say, well, in the season, the totality of the season, did those losses were they good for us? Because now this year we're, you know, twelve and whatever, thirteen and whatever, and have a stronghold again. You know that. Yeah. That to me, then I would say, yeah, that maybe those weren't more important. Um, but also but... just. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say, uh, just to interject, I see uh, Josh Allen has two interceptions already <laughs> in, that, in that game that's going on right now. Gosh, that's terrible. <clears throat> I, I will say, though, you could sit here and I would agree that we learned from those losses and we played better against teams that we should beat, but we also lost four-plus games to teams we should have beat. So – yeah, maybe, but at the end of the day, I don't think we learned enough quick enough. No, not for no, it's it, they weren't as valuable. Yeah. So the last question that we have from Cody, which I think is another good one, is uh, <clears throat> with the playoff. It's a, it's a dual parter, so I'll go with the first one first. Playoff both. Does Jay Love sign a five year plus deal? Is that a no brainer move of the off season? Yeah, so you mind if I take this one to lay out the facts? So what we didn't know that we've talked about earlier in the season because Jordan Love wasn't playing well enough for the media to really take this and run is that due to his extension to add the fifth year without using the fifth year option, Jordan Love is ineligible for an extension until March 20th or something like that, which is the beginning or right at the end of the Long story short, he can't sign an extension until the 2024 league year starts. So when you say, does J-Love sign a no-brainer move of the offseason? To me, 100%. I still project it at like five years. I think it's probably up to like 180 now, which is 30, uh, 34 mil a year. That's without incentives, essentially. Um, for me, absolute no-brainer. Um, does he sign a five-plus year? I don't think so. I think he signs a five-year because he still has a year left. So theoretically, it'll be a six-year. Um, but yeah, to me, it's a no-brainer. And if he wouldn't have signed that extension and he was on a fifth-year option right now, he would have already signed it. It'd be done already. You, you think that even though uh, was a few weeks ago or midway through the season, it didn't sound like Goody wanted to <clears throat> So uh, I think that commit to him? Yeah, I think that was uh, I think that was twofold. I think the comments were coming off of Jay Love struggling, and it was uh, <clears throat> a reminder to him that he needs to play better. But I also think it was twofold in the fact that Gutenkunst was asked a question that he knows the answer has to be no. Because they asked him, do you plan on extending him this year? The answer has to be no. He can't. Per he league rules, yeah. Per league rules, he's he wasn't he's not allowed to sign an extension. So Goody had no choice. He could have just said no. League rules don't allow me to. But I think he used it as a platform to tell Love publicly that he still needs to play better. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it was partially it was like uh, intentional. Yeah. I um, but what did he say? He's got to play better. We started this podcast off. Well, I started this podcast off of my part talking about Love's last ten games. <laughs> to me, he plays, but he played better, right? Yeah, he did. So he, he answered the up. question. So, in my opinion, what Goody said, Jay Love answered the fucking bell on that. Yes, he's going to get an extension. It's a no-brainer to me. Like it's not even. Yeah, I think it could be close to two hundred mil. 
The only thing I could see, and I don't see it, is him saying, ah, you know what, maybe I want to go somewhere else. But I don't see why he would want to do that. Like, he just doesn't seem like that character person. No. You know, like, oh, I don't like Green Bay. I'd rather go play somewhere else. I think he, I personally think he wants to be here. Like, I would, I would agree with that. So, the, the, the <laughs> second part of this is what I'm curious about because I feel like I already know how you're going to answer. So, he asked if Jair is now a key piece to move in the offseason. And I think it's no because I don't think you get in return what you what you don't get the return value isn't going to be worth giving him up. Yeah, this one's hard because we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast about Jair being a the type of player that doesn't thrive in this type of scheme, right? Yeah, I thought Jair had a really good game today. Personally, I thought he, I thought he was the guy we need him to be. Um, and my, mainly, a lot of that is they didn't throw at Jair, right? And that's what you need him to be. Yeah, they, I mean, they pretty much threw to the middle of the field, which, um, which was where. So you know I, mean? I feel like Quay I, and all those guys were, you know, what I mean, being asked to. I don't see Jair leaving the Green Bay Packers. One, mainly, well, one, because of what you said. You're not going to get the value for his contract is too high, and you're not going to get what we would need to get out of it. Essentially, you would be offloading a contract because no one's going to give you a first or a second rounder and then take on a $25 million contract. I still think he's interesting to be a cut guy with the $3 million cap dead cap hit. Um, I don't think we're going to do it, but I could see him being somebody that, that has to restructure. Um, I'm going to let you answer while I look up what we would save by restructuring. Well, the, the, this is the, the thing, the thing that I look at is one, you're going to be changing you have to be changing defensive coordinators, right? So that could mean going back to a scheme that is more to his favor, right? And just, I mean, what outside of this year, we look at last year, he's one of the top corners in the league, right? Yeah. Stokes, you don't know what you got because you don't know if he's healthy enough to stay on the field, you know, and and then you traded Douglas away. Um, So I guess, you know what I mean? It would, it would, it would have to see uh, if we draft, you know, how does the draft go? Does that determine whether we're going to get rid of him or not? But do, can you wait that long? Like, uh, you know, like you were saying, you were looking up the the, the facts ten, behind it. We saved $10 million by restructuring his contract. And that's probably the biggest. I, I think that's what we do because I still think he's talented. And you brought up – we've brought up the biggest point in the fact of changing the defensive coordinator, which potentially could change the scheme to work with him – in the rest of the defense. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I honestly, I'm going to stand by this and it's not like I have inside information. I don't know shit. I don't know any of these guys personally. I just don't, I don't think they like the scheme that they're in. They don't like playing for Barry. They go out there and play for each other. And I think, you know, th- what happens is the scheme allows people to be open. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah. I, as, as simplified as you can get the scheme, if you don't get the pressure, then the guys, there's guys wide open. So I think that when Jair is healthy, he's one of the best corners. Because of the contract, I don't think we can get a Jalen Ramsey type thing in return for him. Uh, I mean, you might have a team out there desperate enough that would would take that on. I don't see who, um, you know what I mean, and would have the money to – because I don't know how that works. You know, like, do you have to have the cap space to absorb it? Does the other team just take the hit? Like, you know, with the Rodgers thing, did we just – because I thought we negotiated some of that, right? Like how much hit were we going to take? And Yeah, I mean, there's obviously negotiations of – and that all has to happen, like, with the guaranteed money. So I, I don't see us – I just don't see us moving on from him because I do think that the – I think he's moved on from the suspension shit, right? 
His interviews this week were completely different. He's owned the mistake. He knows he fucked up. He's a loudmouth. He's a boisterous guy. It is what it is. I do believe that the, the, the team still believes he's extremely talented. I think there's a fit for him in this defense. The scheme's going to matter. Um, if they make a move, it has to happen before March 20th, no matter what. Because and the draft gonna, is in, in April. In April. So, so you don't, then you're not guaranteed you're going to get a guy in the draft that you like. No, and I personally would like to see Jair back in a different scheme. And then we really see, hey, is this uh, is Jair uh, an all-pro player or is he done? And at the end of the day, I see us restructuring his contract to better fit the team and, you know, what we what we can do from a financial yeah. perspective. And then it just doesn't make sense. I don't think we get in return, uh, and we don't have anybody waiting in the wings. I mean, we. You know, Valentine looks good, but outside of him, who do you have? You got rid of Douglas. So I think getting rid of Douglas was was the way organization's way of saying we can get compensation for somebody. We're not going to get it for Jair, and maybe we keep Jair and work with him, you know, and, and go forward and try to build up because it just does like if you're not getting a – what did they – I don't even know what they got for Jalen Ramsey when they traded him, but I'm pretty sure it was – you know, a, a top, a, you know, either first or second round pick. And I just don't see, I think when they did that, they extended him as well. So you would have to find uh, So the, the, this, the situation is different because what has Jair got left with us? How, you know what I mean? It, it would be different if he had one year left and then some team would absorb it and then sign him to an extension and restructure and do all that. I don't think the situation is the same. So we're not going to get the same in return. And I think you need them because you look at the roster and you really don't – you don't – I don't think we're in a spot to, to have the luxury of getting rid of him. So. Yeah, I agree. And I also want to point out – this isn't part of the question, but there's a lot of talk about Aaron Jones not being a Packer next year. I yeah, very I well on, could – I think that's going to change. I very well could see us restructuring his deal now that I've looked at the cap situation because we would save $7 million. Does and mean, does that mean Dylan's gone then? We we can have this conversation. Yeah, we'll have this conversation later, but I think it those are the two guys in my opinion that are on the active roster today, not IR, because then we would have to talk about David Bakhtiari, but those are the two guys on the roster today that I think are the most interesting. And I foresee them both being back. And the last comment I want to make on Alexander before we wrap up this beautiful manager special and move into our victory Monday is we just talked about veteran presence and how important it is to a young team. We can't get rid of all of our veterans, right? Yeah. So, like, we've already talked that Campbell might be over the hump. Preston Smith is probably not going to be worth the contract. We can't get rid of Jair as well, right? Or, or yeah. am I just off? No, no, like, because then we have nobody. Kenny Clark, that's it. And then, you know what I mean? Quay, Quay becomes your veteran. But, yeah, I mean, essentially, you're veteran. Not that he's not, you know, I'm just saying it's just not, you know, it, uh, it that doesn't make sense. Savage, but he might not be here. I don't know. The, the one thing I do know is that we don't have to worry about it just yet because it's not the off season for us yet. <laughs> Hell, yeah, on to the playoffs, baby. Four game, man. And, uh, Let's I, go. I said this on my Instagram, but I'll say it on here. If you're obviously you're probably not listening if you're not a Packer fan, but if for some reason you listen and you are not a Packer fan, you're a fan of some other team, don't lie to me and say that you wouldn't rather have your team's season extended one more game. Because that's what all these people say, Vikings fans, Bears fans, we're well, gonna lose anyway, blah blah blah. But we still get one more fucking game. So Hey, you. one more game for number 10 to show me the love. One more game. I'll take it. But I was sad thinking about, wow, how, how the fuck did we get to the end of the NFL season already? But then Jordan Love gave me a gift. The Packers gave me a gift. They said, it's not the end of the season yet. Not for us. No, I like it. And I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Is Dallas a formidable opponent? I, I Yes. We've talked very highly about their defense, uh, I believe, last week. It's the offense not gonna... scares me. The offense is scary. The, 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 
their team is good. They wouldn't be the number one, two, if number two seed, if they're not, if they weren't good, I believe in this team right now. And we I mean, could be the, singing a different yeah. tune next week. And that's okay. Cause at the end of the day, we got another week. We got a chance to go make noise in the playoffs. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's experience for our guys. It's you, however you want to look at it, it. It's that it's another game that these other fans of these scrub ass teams um, aren't getting. And actually it's funny. Uh, but my buddy Oscar said he posted on his Instagram and he said, how are uh, these fans of these other teams? How are y'all? Uh, shit. How did he say it? He said, how, how are y'all so bad that we got to the playoffs in a down year for our organization? Like, y'all must be some bums. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Pat. I don't think he listens, but shout out to Pat. He literally said, I don't believe you guys re- rebuild ever. You retool. And we weren't singing this tune even as diehard Packer fans 10 weeks ago because it did appear as though we were looking at a top five pick and we were going to be in a sort of a rebuilding year. But the way our offense has looked, and I'm not speaking just Jordan Love, the way Matt LaFleur has called games, the way Aaron Jones has come back on in the ball, the way our young wide receivers have stopped making the mistakes that they were making in the beginning of the year has changed that perception of this Green Bay Packers team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's an exciting and fun time to be a Green Bay Packer fan. Oh, I, I mean – I didn't think it. I didn't think that this would happen. You know what I mean? And uh, here we are. So I'm going to soak it up. We got vict- one one more victory Monday. Uh, do we know when we're playing it or not yet? Nah, it'll probably – because okay. both teams playing right now are playoff teams and the winner of this is going to host a playoff game, they're probably not going to announce it till after that game, which I think gotcha. is fucking stupid. Okay. But yeah. Well, it's for 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 my brother-in-law's sake, I uh, hope it's not the Monday night game because that would be uh, really bad for him. <laughs> I think that would be like three in the morning or something like that, um, and, uh, and over on the other uh, across the pond there. But fuck it, man, we get one more game, another victory Monday, and uh, as, as always, man, go pack, go, go pack, go, and the Bears still suck. Bears still suck. They suck. Suck. Bye. Peace.